version of mine today, Dr. Scott Campbell and his wife Ann are here. Um, just a comment, I, I happened to be on the search team when we were looking for a, um, I got to get the right name here, a mission strategist. Um, but I can tell you that Scott, the, the team, one, we had a few candidates and we were asked to, all asked to go home and pray, pray and fast, and may God made it clear whom we choose. And we came back and voted by a ballot, and it was unanimous. And, and Dr. Campbell came and took a, not only a pay cut, but we were in a financial condition where we said, we can only assure you we're going to employ you for one year unless more funds come into the association office. And yet he took it. And let me just tell you, um, my last visit to the association office, I just saw a new spirit, enthusiasm, a working together, a camaraderie like a team. And I'm so thrilled that he is not only here, but that I am confident that God is moving through Campbell County Baptist Association to be part of a renewal or revival in Campbell County. Pray earnestly for that because a lot of things are in place and we desperately need it. Scott and Ann, I appreciate you guys coming. I thank you. He, I not only consider him a friend, he's a friend of our church. Many of us remember his last message about carrying the cheese. We'll not forget that, will we? And so, Scott, would you share God's word with us today, please? Awesome. Thank you, Brother Larry. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Awesome. Isn't that a beautiful sight, these precious boys and girls going out to children's church? That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Larry, for that introduction. I appreciate those kind words, and I appreciate New Horizon Baptist Church. It's a blessing to stand here today, to be back with you, and to see that you still are carrying the cheese. That's such a blessing, such a blessing. I appreciate your pastor asking me to come today, and as we were going through the prayer request, there were so many things there that stood out to me, but... A couple that especially stood out to me as we were taking prayer time is one is you're praying for your pastor. And I've been there and I've done that. And I know that he appreciates your prayers and he desires your prayers. He deserves your prayers. And he just asked me to preach today. And I told him I'd be glad to do whatever I could to help him and help the church. But y'all are a blessing to us. Another one there was uh, Glade Springs Baptist Church. I just came from there just a little while ago. And uh, we presented them a plaque today for 225 years as a church. I had to think about that. I was like, I started thinking in my mind, 225? That went back to 1797 is when they began as a church here in Campbell County. And they're celebrating that, and we appreciate Brother Chris and their church there. And uh, Please continue to pray for them. I know they appreciate that. Thank you for what you do in Campbell County. Thank you for what you do in the Campbell County Baptist Association. I went to the mail the other day and received a letter, a check, as a matter of fact, from New Horizon Baptist Church. And whenever I opened that and looked at that, it um, goes back to what Brother Larry was saying. God is good. Amen? And uh, y'all bless my heart so much. God always takes care of us in every situation. Everything that we face. That's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. I'm not going to be presenting a deep theological message. I'm going to leave that up to Chris. I'm going to let him go real deep in the work because he can do that. But I've just basically got an inspirational message today, I guess you would say. After you hear it, you might say, well, that wasn't as inspirational as I thought it was going to be. Or maybe you could say that's a motivational, motivational message, more so than a deep theological message. Because... What I'm going to tell you today, more than likely, you already know it. Now, there might be some here that's, that's just getting started in church. Maybe this is your first time in church. But what I'm going to be talking about, you pretty much already know it. 
I got, I got reminded the other day of, of this very thought that we're going to be talking on this morning. And whenever I ask you this question, and this is what I want you to think about today. You know, we've heard the phrase, or we might have said the phrase before, what's your problem? You might have said that to somebody before. Maybe somebody at work, maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody that you go to school with. And you might have said, hey, what's your problem? And the way you're saying that, hey, what's wrong? What's going on? There's something that's up. But whenever I say that today, that's not in the light or the sense that I want to present it. But I do want to ask you today, what is your problem? What is that one thing in your life that maybe kept you awake last night? Maybe that one thing in your life that's been on your mind, even while you're sitting here today, and you know you're going to have to face it maybe even this evening or maybe this week, maybe tomorrow at work, maybe tomorrow at the doctor's office. It's that one thing that seems to consume a lot of your energy. It might be something that's going on in your family. It might be something that's going on in your health. It might be something that's going on at work. Something that's going on with your finances. But you know what that problem is. Now, this might surprise you, and it might not. But as I stand here before you today, I've got problems in my life. I was over in Scott County this past week. And is the picture, is that available? And where am I even supposed to look? Is that, there it is, right there, perfect. I appreciate Matt, Cheyenne, these folks up here in the sound room for taking care of us. Have you ever seen that sign right there? They've got something going on over in Scott County, evidently with their churches. I don't know if it's just the Baptist churches, or, but I noticed it mostly, and I don't know, maybe they've got something going on in their association. Uh, but this is in a lot of uh, yards of our churches in, in Scott County. And as a matter of fact, you know, Brother Larry was talking about the importance of business. I saw this sign not only at churches, but I saw it at some businesses. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of business that I want to support that has a sign like that out in front. But notice what it says. Everybody has a problem. No one can fix but God. Two of my favorite words in all of the Bible are those last two words, but God. You read through the Bible, and you'll find that phrase very often. There'll be some scripture, and then you'll see those two words, but God. God. Think about what that sign there says, and that's kind of as an introduction into my sermon today of what is your problem? What's going on in your life? Now, there's one thing for sure. When you read that sign, everybody has a problem. Just stop right there. Everybody has a problem. Now, we can put on our fine clothes, and we can come into church and kind of stick up our ecclesiastical noses and act as if we're better than somebody else just because we go to church. But the reality of it is, even churchgoers have problems. And as a matter of fact, especially churchgoers have problems. Everybody has a problem. Let's say that together. Everybody has a problem. When we can admit that, and we can confess that, and we know that, then we're actually getting somewhere. You know, it's easy for us to act as if we have no problems. It's easy for us to act as if there's nothing wrong. Hey, I've been there and I've done that. I've walked into church as a pastor and, and put on that face and want everybody to think that everything's just okay in my life and I don't have anything wrong, I don't have anything, any, any problems, anything negative, anything going you know, we all have done that at some point in our life. We've all went to church when we're hurting. I've stood in the pulpit and preached whenever I could, could barely make it through. I've been there and I've done that. There's some of you that's played instruments and you've got up and you've led music whenever you could barely even think because of the problem that you're facing in your life. Some of you have stood up and taught the scriptures in Sunday school and, and Bible study. You've, you've stood and taught when you were hurting. Nobody else might have even known that. When you got news that nobody else even knew about, and you knew in your heart what you were facing, but nobody else did. But everybody, everybody has a problem. Notice the second part of that sign. No one can fix. Now that's a big part of that. No one can fix but God. Let's say that together. No one can fix but God. Let's say it all together. Everybody has a problem. No one can fix but God. 
Now that's what we lead into our text today that's found in Genesis. And while I'm bringing this message for the next little bit, I want you not to just focus on that problem. I want you to think about what it is. And when I say what's your problem, you already know. It might be something. It might be some situation. It might be someone. That problem that you're thinking about. There's a couple in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham and Sarah. They had a problem. And we're going to read about that. And God took care of that problem. And I want us to study together today as they put up the scripture here in Genesis 18. If you're reading along in your Bible, that's great. If you want to look up on the PowerPoint, that's great. But in Genesis chapter 18, we'll begin in verse number 9. Notice this. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Abraham said, here in the tent. Verse number 10, it goes on said, And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, you know the story. As I said earlier, I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't already know. They were old. And when I say that, I don't say that disrespectfully. But in what we consider to be old, they were old people. And uh, they were past the stage of having children. As a matter of fact, that was pretty much an impossibility. But the good news is today, before we even read on any further, what is impossible with you and I is possible with God. Now, what's your problem? Think about this. The Bible said, and the Lord saying, your wife's going to have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Notice the next verse. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So I'm not saying anything disrespectful. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. They were old. Well advanced in age. If you have any question what old is, the Bible goes on and even says they're well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. I mean, we all understand what the Bible is saying here. It's very clear. And the next verse goes on and says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. Now, ladies, put yourself in her situation there for just a minute. And imagine what perhaps your response would have been, especially the older ladies. Think about this situation. And you've been told that you're going to have a baby. What would you do? I would say that there would be some that would laugh. We can judge Sarah, but she laughed. In other words, that was a laugh of, it's just impossible. What are you talking about? Having a, that's, that's not going to happen. You can think about your problem right now. You can think about your situation right now. Maybe it's even gone through your mind. That's not going to happen. I don't know what the solution is, but I can tell you some things that's not the solution. And sometimes we've all done that in our life before we've received news and, and maybe something's taken place. Or, and in our mind, we've even kind of thought along that line, that, that's not going to happen. That's, that can't happen. The Bible says she laughed within herself. And she said, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, speaking of Abraham, her husband, think about that. Not only is she old, but she's saying, you know, he is as well. He's older than her. But notice this next verse of Scripture. Now we're getting down to where we're going this morning. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? And right here in this next verse, pay close attention. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's say that together. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're not going to open it up for testimony time right now, but I want you to testify in your heart right now. What's your answer to that? Go back to that problem that you're facing. Go back to that thing in your life that's overwhelming you. Is it too hard for the Lord to take care of that? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And he goes on and says, At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now there is the question. In Genesis 18, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, those of you that teach school and all of us in general, we know that when there's a question, there needs to be an answer. 
For every question that you have, the answer is found in the Bible. I promise you that. Every question that you've got, the answer is found in the Bible. So when we turn over to Jeremiah, I want you to look in Jeremiah, this one verse of Scripture. It gives the answer. We know the answer. We know what the answer is. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Here's the answer. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Let's say these last words together. There is nothing too hard for you. Let's say it again. There is nothing too hard for you. Let's pray together. Father, how thankful we are today that there's nothing too hard for you. Remind us of that during this time. Remind us of this each and every day. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your problem? You're thinking about that thing in your life. Sarah had a problem. And God took care of that. You know the rest of the story. is Paul Harvey. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? These, some of us older people. You younger people probably don't have a clue. But Paul Harvey used to be on the radio. And, and oftentimes I would hear him on the radio. And he would talk about things. And he would say, and here is the rest of the story. Now you know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story. You know what happened in Abraham and Sarah's life. And God did just exactly what he said he would do as he always does. He took care of their problem. We could go on and on and on and talk about different people in the Bible. We could talk about different people in this auditorium. I could talk about my own life today about problems that God has taken care of. Let me just say today I've got three points. And my first point is on what is your problem. My first point is there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Would you say amen to that? There's no problem too hard for God to solve. You might be sitting there today and you're saying, Brother Scott, you have no idea what my problem is. How can you say that? You don't know what the doctor just told me just in the last month. You have no idea. You're, you're telling me that? I'm telling you that today. Even though I don't know what your specific problem is, I do know that there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Whether it's Abraham and Sarah, whether it's Scott Campbell, whether it's you, there's no problem that's too hard for God to solve. Just like that sign that says it's all over this area, especially in the Scott County area. Everybody's got a problem that no one can fix but God. Isn't it amazing how that we oftentimes go to so many different sources instead of going to the true source? There's times in my life that I have a problem. Maybe it's a financial problem and I just immediately run to the bank and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's times in my life that I have a health problem and I just take off to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. There's times in our life that, that we have problems and we're facing things and we go to an individual, we go to a friend, and it's good to have friends, it's good to have family, it's good to have a pastor that you can go to. But my friend, I want to tell you, the true source of help comes from above. And that's the Lord God Almighty. He's the one that has helped me when no one else could. He's the one that can fix my problems when nobody else could. As much as I love my parents and my dad's gone to be with the Lord, there's been times that I've went to my dad and there's times I've went to my mom with problems that they could not even help me with. Even though they were there and they wanted to, there was things that they, they could only go so far. There was only so much that they could do. But I want to tell you something today, friend. God will go with you all the way. And there's not a problem too hard for God to solve. We think about Sarah in the Bible and Abraham. I think about over in the New Testament. I'll just give you a couple of examples on each one of these points today. And you can take this skeleton home and you can put the meat on it. And you can study it more in detail and apply it to your own individual life. Abraham and Sarah are two people that we see there's no problem too hard for God to solve. But over in the New Testament, there's a time that Jesus and the disciples ran upon a problem. There were thousands of people there, and there was no food. You remember that passage of Scripture? The problem was the people were hungry, and there was nothing to eat. So the disciples began to ask questions. They began to talk about where they're going by and this and that. What are we going to do? They've got a problem. How are they going to solve it? They look out there, and there's a young lad there. It's good to see these young people here. It's good to see those young children go out to children's church. And as a church, I know that you do, but always take care of your young people. Amen? I've been praying for you that God would send you the right person. I know that he's already got that person. 
uh, he, he already knows who that, who that person is to come and serve as your new youth pastor. And y'all might already know that. I don't know. I've not asked lately. But I've been praying for you that you'll find that person that God has for you. I know you miss Josh. I miss Josh. But yet, God's got that specific person to come and to lead you. But you think about your youth. Sometimes our youth get overlooked. They talked about David in the Bible, that he's just a youth. He's just a ruddy countenance. Look what he did against the giant. You remember the story. Do I have to go back and preach about carrying the cheese again? You better say amen or I might just do it. But anyway, you remember the story about David, don't you? Just a youth. But look how God used him. There was just a lad there. Just a lad. But he had five loaves of bread and two fishes. What are they among so many? What are they among so many? But you remember that passage of Scripture, how that the Lord took what he had and what he gave. And God took those five loaves and those two fishes and he blessed that and fed the multitudes. And there was even 12 baskets that were remaining and left over. Each one of those representing the 12 disciples. There was a problem there that looked like it was too much. Even the disciples were basically saying, this is, we can't handle this. There's so many people. There's so much hunger. We ain't going to be able to take care of this. But God took care of it. You think about it, there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Say that with me. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. It's easy to say that in church today. It's easy to say that amongst our brothers and sisters in the Spirit of the Lord here with us today. But you mark my words, when you get out there in Campbell County this week and when you go your separate way from here and I go my way, there's going to be a time and it'll be soon. I promise you, it'll be today, this week, that you're going to need to remember there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Not only that, there's no prayer too hard for God to answer. you believe that today? I know as I look out and the Spirit bears witness with one another that we're God's children. I know that today. I know that every time I come to New Horizon, that you love the Lord. And this is family. We're family. And I know you pray. You, you pray while I'm here. I mean... Think about the way you start off church, just like today. There's no better way to start off church than praying. And you've got so much that you're praying for. I might have even jumped the gun there and got to number three. I'm, I just skipped number two, didn't I? We'll go back to number two. Amen. We'll get number two. There's a reason God does things the way he does. Amen. So there's no problem too hard for God to solve. But there's, let's just go to three. Let's stay with three while I'm there. My mindset's on three, Matt. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. I don't know why that we just went to three, we'll come back to two, but God knows why. And he does all things well. But think about that prayer that you're praying in your life. I don't know what the problem is that you're facing or what, you're, what that, pr- that problem is on your mind. But I believe this. Whatever that problem is, you've been praying about it. That's what I do. Have I always done that? No. There's been times that I've had problems. I've tried to work it out on my own. I've done talked about that, and I regret that. I always regret that. I always, every time I try to fix something myself, I go back to that. Everybody's got a problem. Scott's got a problem. But then that second part, no one can fix but God. I sometimes skip over that and think, hey, I'll take care of this. I, I can fix this myself. I, I want to be independent. I don't want to rely on anybody. And we try to fix things ourselves, and we get, in a, we get in a jam. We get in a mess. But think about that prayer in your life that you're praying, or those prayers you're praying. I think about another lady in the Bible back in 1 Samuel. Her name was Hannah. Any ladies here today named Hannah? Yeah. There's usually at least one. I've got a niece named Hannah. And I, I've always tried, I love how she can spell her name. Both hers H-A-N-N-A-H, spell it the same frontwards and backwards. Hannah's a beautiful name. In the Bible, Hannah's a beautiful lady. She had a problem. She was barren. Her womb had been shut up. She couldn't have children. In that day in particular, it's a horrible thing not to have children. It was, it was basically a sign of a curse if you didn't have children. And it bothered her to great lengths. Great lengths. It was a heavy burden that she carried around. It was a heavy burden that was on her heart. And the Bible talks about a day that she was down there at the temple praying. She was asking the Lord to give her a son. How many of you ladies have ever done that before? 
Amen. I guarantee you, even if you didn't raise your hand, there's some ladies in here that have prayed for God to bless you with uh, children, whether it's a son or a daughter. You've prayed that prayer before. Maybe you were at a place in your life that it looked dark, didn't look like that was going to happen, but God came through and he blessed you. And he answered that prayer. I guarantee there's some today that could testify to that. But Hannah was praying that prayer. She was praying in such bitterness of soul that her mouth was moving, but there were literally no words that were coming out. She was so burdened. That was the one thing she wanted more than anything. Eli the priest saw her. And he basically thought she'd been drinking. He basically thought she was drunk. Because of how fervently she was praying. Paul Harvey says, you know the rest of the story. God blessed Hannah with a son. And she named him Samuel. And all of God's children said, there's no prayer too hard for God to answer. I could preach right here all day, and I know you don't want me to do that. And I'm not going to do that. But you think about the thief that was on the cross. There were two thieves on the cross there, one on each side of Jesus at Calvary. Jesus was in the middle, one on the right, thief on the right, thief on the left. One of the thieves was rebellious and unrepentant. Reviling the Lord and basically saying, if you're the Christ, if you're who you say you are, come down from the cross and get us down from this cross. We want out of this mess. But there was another thief. He said, hey, we deserve what we're getting. We deserve to be crucified. We've done wrong. But Jesus, he's done nothing amiss. He's done nothing wrong. You remember his simple prayer, the thief on the cross? He simply said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That was his prayer. If there's ever been anybody that didn't deserve to go to heaven, it was that thief. But guess what the Lord said to him? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Well, that about make a Baptist shout. Amen? <laughs> Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. If you don't believe there's... If you're, if you're struggling right now in your life, you say, you, but, but Scott, you don't know my problem. I don't necessarily. But God does. And the thief had a problem. His problem was he was just a few seconds, a few minutes, if you will. I don't know exact how, exactly how long, but he was close to hell. He was close to leaving this world without Christ. And even there in his dying moment, he cried out and his prayer was just, Lord, remember me. And the Lord answered his prayer. There's, say it with me. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. Let's say it one more time. There's no prayer too hard for God to answer. Hannah is an example of that. The thief on the cross is an example of that. No problem too hard for God to solve. Abraham and Sarah's examples of that. The lad that had five loaves and two fish when the folks, the multitude, the thousands of people were hungry. There's an example of there's no problem too hard for God to solve. Now my second point that I'm going to do thirdly. Amen. For some reason I just went right to that prayer and God knows why. But that third point I want you to think about that's actually number two in this message. They've done perfect up in the sound booth. It's me that's messed up. But that person. There's no person too hard for God to save. How many of you believe that today? Say amen. There's some of you, no doubt, sitting here, and I don't even know your testimony necessarily. There's a time in your life you might have thought you were too hard for God to save. I've talked to people like that. I've had people tell me that there's no way the Lord would save them. I've had people start rattling off things that they've done, said, there's no way God would save me. I remember a gentleman in particular when I was passing over in Maryville, he was, an, he was a, world, a World War II veteran. I mean, he was up in years. And I talked to him and witnessed to him. And at his age, he kept saying, God can't save me. And I talked to him. And I'd give him scripture. God can't save me. He went back and finally one day he just opened up to it. And he, while serving in the war, of course, he killed people. Doing his duty. Serving his country. But he would, he would go back and 
he would say that God couldn't save him because of that. And I tried to give him Scripture and give him Old Testament Scripture, give him New Testament Scripture that the Lord would save him, the Lord would forgive him. And eventually he did get saved, praise the Lord. But that was something that held him up for, I mean, years till the point he almost died lost. That was his hang-up. I don't know what maybe yours is or what somebody you know is going through in their life. Maybe there's somebody in your family, and that's what they say. God can't save me. I've done this, this, or that. Or maybe they don't even say what it is, but there's something there that they're holding on to they won't let go of. There's something there that Satan's using every day. And they feel as though there's no hope. My friend, not only is there no problem too hard for God to solve, no prayer too hard for God to answer, there's no person too hard for God to save. Think about that sign again. Everybody, everyone has a problem that no one can fix but God. You know what the main problem we have is? Our sins. Being lost without God. Everybody. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us are born in iniquity. We've all got a problem. It's hard for some to admit that they've got a problem called sin. But that's the first step in order to be saved is to admit that you're a sinner, is to admit you've got a problem that nobody else can fix but God. The Pope can't fix it. The pastor can't fix it. Mom and Dad can't fix it. There's only one person that can save us from our sins, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. He didn't say he was a way. He said, I'm the way. He's the only one. And we see there's no person too hard for God to save. I guarantee we could go through this auditorium today and you could stand and testify and we'd have testimony after testimony. Here's one that looked like I was too hard for God to save, but he saved my soul. Remember old Paul in the Bible? I know you do. I'm not teaching you anything new. I told you this wasn't going to be a deep theological sermon. I'm going to let Chris do that. This is just a simple message. I hope it's inspirational. I hope it's motivational. Just to encourage you and to remind you. Old Peter talked about there's some things that we need to call to remembrance. That's what Peter said. There's things that you already know that maybe God just sent me here today to remind you of. Things Chris has already taught you. Things you've already learned growing up in your home. Things you've learned in Sunday school. Long before I ever came along. You might just be saying, I needed that reminder today. Thanks, I needed that. I've said that so many times because I forgot that. But here is Paul. You remember what Paul did? You remember in the New Testament, you can read most of the writings over there in the New Testament, Paul pinned down on the inspiration of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. But there was a day when Paul was Saul, of course, and he talked about his conversion there on the Damascus Road. But Paul went on and talked about he was the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners. In other words, he was the worst of all sinners. He's saying, there's nobody can top my resume for sin. I was as lost as lost could be. I was the chief of sinners. But you know what? The Lord saved Paul. Amen? Now, there can't be anybody here today that's, that's worse than the chief of sinners. I mean, I don't know. And I don't, I don't necessarily know where you're at in your life, but... You might be sitting there saying, oh, that works. No, if it worked for Paul, and it did, and it worked for me, and it did, it can work for you. Say amen. You say, I'm just, Brother Scott, you, if you'd sit down and talk to me for a little while, you know what I'd tell you? If we sat down and ate lunch today and talked for an hour or two hours, and you told me every sin, you don't need to do that because I'm not the Lord. You need to confess that to God. But if you told me everything you've ever done wrong, you know what I'd still look you in the eye and tell you? There's no person too hard for God to save. Isn't that great? Boy, I tell you what, I feel that right now, don't you? No person too hard for God to save. Zacchaeus is an example of that as well. Not only Paul, the chief of sinners. Old Zacchaeus was as crooked as a country road. He stole from people. He lied. But yet one day Jesus came to where he was at there in that sycamore tree. And as crooked as he was, as much as he'd stolen, as much as he'd lied, Jesus looked up at him. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down. For today I'm going to abide at your house. 
He could have stayed up in that tree and said, I'm too great a sinner, but he didn't. He came down. Lord saved his soul. His house got saved. He went out and made right with all those he'd done wrong. Don't tell me that you're too hard of a sinner for God to save. Because the Bible makes it clear. If you will, go back to that picture before we have a time of invitation. That opening picture of that, of that sign. I want us all to stand our feet right now. I want you just to focus on this sign for just a moment as we come to an invitation. Everybody, that's me, that's you, has a problem. What is your problem? No one can fix but God. No one can fix but God. Are you going to turn that over to him today? Are you going to give him that problem today? You brought it in here, I brought it in here. Are we going to continue trying to take care of it ourselves? Or are we going to let God have it? There's people, maybe even some right here, I don't know. There's people right now that's basically on the verge of just wearing themselves to death, literally, over a problem. It's about to kill them. And I don't say that lightly. I say that from my heart. Have you ever been there and done that? Carried a problem until it just about took you to the grave? But you also know there's a day in your life that you turn that over to the Lord and He took care of it. I stand here as a testimony today, and I promise you, not based on me as Scott Campbell, but based on the authority of God's holy word, there's no problem too hard for God to solve. I want us to pray together at this time. When our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, you know what God's doing in your life right now. He's wanting you just to give it to Him. Just turn it over to him. This altar is open. If you'd like to come and pray, just bring it to him. Let's pray together. Father, you know our needs today. God, you know our hearts. Lord, even though we might keep our problems from one another, we can't hide them from you. God, not only do you know what they are, God, you're the one to solve them, to take care of them. You might not solve them in the way that we think is best or the way that we would like, but God, you always know best. Father, whatever that problem is in that individual's life, maybe that family's life, maybe even in this church life, we realize that everybody has a problem that nobody can fix but you, Lord. Lord, help us today just to release that, give that to you, to lay that down today and let you have it. I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. If there's one that needs to be saved, that today would be that glorious day. For that dear saint of God that's been praying that prayer, maybe for years and years and years, Lord, remind them today there's no prayer too hard for God to answer. I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. While we sing this time.
Scott will be here and others will be here. Don't miss the opportunity if the Spirit is leading. I love how our church takes communion each week. When we're in Europe, I miss this greatly and 
I often thought about how often should we have communion? And Jesus said, as often as you eat and drink, does that mean every meal? We should remember him? There's a part of me that says yes. Every time I put bread in my mouth or drink, I should remember Jesus Christ. And I'd like you to take this wafer, and he says, my body was broken. Break it in half if you would, because Jesus' body was broken for remission of our sins. You know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, I often think about his heart and his mind. He went from there. He dismissed Judas Iscariot after he washed Judas Iscariot's feet for Judas to go on to betray him and then go to Gethsemane and the wrenching heartbreak and crying out to God to say, if there's any way, take this cup from me. He suffered for me. He did it voluntarily for me and for my sins. Jesus says, drink. Remember, he shed his blood for a complete remission of our sins. Let's just have a moment of prayer before we dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just bringing us and gathering us here today, Lord. Um, I thank you for each person here. We are here for a reason. We are here to hear that message. We thank you for Scott for coming. And um, we just ask that we would remember you as we go out, Lord, and that we would know that you are the only one who can fix our problems that we would look to you and we would remember God. It's so easy to forget. And I just thank you for this day and and may we just carry you with us. Amen. Everybody have an excellent day.